This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into another edition of Inside Carolina's Next Level. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Ashley, of course, that's Greg Barnes, and we have a special guest, uh, one of probably my favorite non-UNC writers, reporters, whatever you want to call us these days, Chris Stott from Inside the U. What's going on, Chris? Hey, what's up now? Hey, before you said uh, non-UNC, uh, I thought I had the edge over Greg there, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. You guys got a great staff. I, I tell you all the time, you guys do great work over there, all sports. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing this one. Yeah, it'll be fun. We, uh, of course, for folks watching this, uh, last couple of years, I think, we've talked about Miami basketball and football, and, and it's always fun. Chris, of course, the 24-7 site for the Miami Hurricanes, and a great name, too, Inside the U. In fact, the name of this next level show is Inside the U with Chris Stock. So, Chris, let me go ahead and start like everybody wants to start with Miami. Um, recency bias, Right. And we got to get your take on last weekend, the ending of last weekend down in down in uh, Miami Gardens when the knee failed to get kneeled and Georgia Tech pulled out a miracle. Yeah, absolutely awful. Never seen anything like it. There, there's no sugarcoating. There's no other way to say it. I, I've seen a lot of people discuss it. I, I've said it. I was a li- there was a little bit of confusion at the time in, in terms of some timeout stuff. But clearly, you know, what you guys saw on the broadcast what was true and, and Cristobal was asked, yeah, Georgia Tech didn't have any timeouts. There's nothing, nothing egregious. You know, what was interesting was his post-game press conference. We were all c- kind of just wondering what he was going to say. I thought he botched that. I thought he didn't take enough ownership of that. Leads it off. You know, a situation like that, whenever that happens in sports, you want the head coach to just come right out and and say all the right things, and it doesn't change the result. And I just thought he kind of botched some things there. I don't think he took enough ownership. He talked about fumbling the ball or putting two hands on the ball and look that nothing to do with it so it's hard to really fathom it it really is you know that we talk about maybe upsets or surprising indians to games we've all seen all kinds of stuff but nothing like that i mean that was literally uh a win that that wasn't um anything but that you know they could do it a, a bunch of times it would still all look the same if you just take a knee so 
everything just fell apart after that. A lot of things had to go wrong to, to lose that game, and, and it all did. And I think we're all wondering, you know, what, what's it going to look like on Saturday for Miami? And, and I don't, I, I, I know we're going to talk about it and, and get into details, but, but I don't know. And I don't know um, if the coaches know. I, I think the play, I think we all just kind of, we're all waiting and see what they're going to do on Saturday because it could clearly, it, it could get ugly or, the, you know, it could go a lot of different ways against the Tar Heels. Yeah, I watched uh, the Miami coaches. Y'all get them on Monday. I saw the players, some of the players, uh, the, the offensive linemen that got caught on video saying, what are we doing? That dude's hilarious in his uh, press conferences. But listening to the offensive coordinator, I mean, he wasn't having it. He didn't want to hear about it. He was like, we, we made a call. It was a bad decision. That's it. End of it. I guess for me, you've been around that program a lot, you know, you say you don't know what's going to happen. That sort of says it all. But can this team rally? Mac Brown believes it'll be a, a triggered-up Miami team ready to play. It, it, what, what's yeah, going to happen? Yeah. I, look, they're, they're – they're, before what happened against Georgia Tech, and, and honestly, the, the thing that, that's standing out to me with that Georgia Tech thing, we're, we're going to talk about the end and how they should have won and all that, but they didn't play well against Georgia Tech in the first ACC game. And I think that – there's some glaring things there moving forward. I know they look good against Texas A&M and they obviously handled their business in the non-conference schedule um, overmatching their opponents, which is what you want to see when, when you have an ACC caliber team going up against uh, the conferences that those other teams were in. I, backs are against the wall. If Miami wants to really compete and be one of those top two teams, they've got to win this game. And I, you know, I kind of overheard a UM staffer like, Oh, well, we just have to beat UNC. There's no question about it, but <clears throat> I think that's uh, certainly a difficult task uh, with what UNC has done to Miami recently, uh, winning the last four meetings and everything. So, yeah, I, I'm sure North Carolina is going to make sure that everyone's ready and Miami's going to say all the right things about everything being ready and um, and playing well on the road and the whole thing because Miami loses this one. Then, then where does the season go from here? Um, so from that standpoint, Miami does have their backs against the wall. There, there's no doubt about that. The fascinating thing to me, Chris, and, and you've been through it a lot down in Miami, but there there truly is a, a building process, not just with pieces on the team, but really with culture in terms of what's expected. And you know, Carolina has dealt with that the last couple of years, finally in, in year five with Mac. Um, and even last year, at the end of the year, you know, at the end of year four, there were still some issues. And you're kind of like, well, how long is this going to take? And now they seem to have things on the right track. Uh, just in terms of, you know, we talk about Mario and kind of what he wants to do. Does he seem to have a pretty good um, culture building in place? Or is it still very scattered? Still, maybe that identity is not where you'd want it to be maybe a year and a half in. I think he's, I think, he, you know, with what he said and how the season started, I think he was pretty pleased with how things had changed from last season. Roughly about 40 new players on this year's team, seven new assistant coaches, uh, new offensive coordinator, new de defensive coordinator. So they really said uh, there was a re real big reset after last season going five and seven. So I think he feels good about uh, the culture, those kind of things. Um, he, he has said so and and feels like things were turning the corner. And, and, and look, uh, again, regardless of the ending, Miami coming off the bye week didn't look good against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, I don't think anybody here – us three or anyone really thinks Georgia Tech's a great team. And that certainly says a lot for Miami though, that they couldn't put them away and get ahead. They were essentially 20 point favorites in that game at home. And uh, again, Miami's trying to, to be towards the top of the ACC. And so losing that game 
um, or, or just really struggling. And they were down in the fourth quarter before they finally came back and got ahead there. But, you know, there were some issues there. So I, I think we could – the culture's there. We'll, we'll see. I think it's now put to test in, in terms of they, they're facing serious adversity. And how could, if you're a player, how could you not be – just completely touched on Matt Lee, the center there transferring from UCF. And um, yeah, his, his uh, press conference this week was certainly interesting, uh, cursing some there. We, we haven't heard him do that in press conference stuff. And we, saw, we everyone saw what happened. So he's certainly a passionate guy. But yeah, there's no doubt the culture, leadership, all those things, uh, they're certainly facing adversity. And we'll see how it goes, you know, if, the, if they really truly have all those things in place, you know, and, and playing well against UNC and then moving forward from what happened against GT. Chris, well, North Carolina fans will, will poke fun at Miami fans for how that game ended. Uh, nobody in Carolina Blue is going to poke fun about a loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, Carolina's had back-to-back this kind of embarrassments against the Yellow Jackets, and Carolina was a 21-point favorite against the Yellow Jackets last year at Keenan uh, and managed to lose that game after being up 17-zip. So I think uh, there's a lot of um, – camaraderie <laughs> and angst against the Yellow Jackets. Uh, talking about Miami's players, I think the one that stands out for obvious reasons, Tyler Van Dyke. Um, I think two years ago, young guy, but the potential was there. Had a really great close to the end of the 2021 season. Um, a lot of talk about, hey, this guy's got a lot of pro potential. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. Staff change. Josh Gaddis comes in with a completely different Style of offense, and Van Dyke just really struggles. The, the fit's not there. This year, uh, Dawson's in, and his numbers have just been fantastic. Just looking at some of the, the PFF numbers, I mean, when he's kept clean, he's got a 93.6 grade, which is phenomenal. Um, in terms of throwing the ball down the field on deep passes, he's fourth nationally. He leads the ACC. So he's just really been phenomenal through this start for, for Miami. What's been the difference for him this year? Yeah, he, he has said, you know, that he has felt comfortable. And I think that's what was so surprising about Georgia Tech. And, and, and the consistency was there. You know, those first four games, 70% passing in each game, um, even with how things went against Georgia Tech, he still leads AC in passer rating. You know, so he's still an efficient guy. His, his comfortability he says he's all there. As you mentioned, they kept clean. And coming into the year, you know, it did feel like Miami was going to have a strong offensive line, and that has played out. Um, so that, and I would expect that if those five kind of stay healthy, I, I would expect them to stay good throughout the rest of the season. I, I, we say the rest of the season. I mean, you know, we're getting to the halfway point. It's just crazy Saturday's game here. We're halfway through. But um, yeah, I, I think he feels more comfortable. They like throwing the ball downfield, uh, things like that. But again, Georgia Tech he didn't look good the picks were terrible and I think that's the one thing with Tyler he kind of reverts back a little bit in some things and and that's the just that's there's a little bit of unknown and again with Tyler it's his whole career has really been in chunks like the, the way he ended his first uh first season there he didn't look good the first couple times he got in there his first two starts then he kind of finishes strong and then last year I know he was injured and that obviously was different, but he didn't look good before the injury either. So it's just been kind of these, uh, these pockets of games um, with a lack of consistency, but when he's on, you know, he could throw the ball downfield. They have three wide receivers that they like to go to. They're throwing those guys the ball quite a bit. Um, touched on the arm, but, but he has, he has said, you know, he feels really comfortable in this offense. Um, you know, and he's really said that to answer your question, Greg, that's why he just really likes this offense, which is similar to what Rhett Lashley had in 2021 when Tyler did get that ACC uh, freshman rookie of the year 
honor there where he, where he did play well for that season. Yeah, and he certainly had a lot of success against North Carolina specifically. I think well, he threw 400-plus last year uh, against Carolina and then almost 300 the year before that. Um, you mentioned the receivers, and a lot of times people just want to talk about Xavier Restrepo. Talk about the Colbys a little bit as well because you got two of those, and Restrepo is a guy that um, North Carolina feels good about that that matchup with Elijah Huzzy. Because you know the corner uh, star nickel, whatever you want to call Huzzy when he plays inside, but just Miami's receiving core sort of let our our readers and our watchers sort of get a refresher on what Miami brings to the table there. So maybe it's a little bit of a surprise that Xavier's gotten off to the good start, but he, he's close friends with Tyler and he has had productive games, and now it's consistent. He's not hurt, so that is there. But it wouldn't have surprised me this year if Colby Young was the team's leader in re- in receiving. And he's third right now and, you know, right around 300 yards. But I, I think he's got more to offer. You know, he, we saw flashes last year, nice 6-4 frame. You know, that opener against the Redhawks, he, he takes a 50-yard pass or, or, you know, a short pass and goes about 50 yards for a touchdown and showing some speed, which you don't see at that size. So that was, a, that was a, the big sign. But we've just not seen Colby really – um, he's been solid, but I think there's more there. So I think that he's the guy that you just have to keep an eye on where's number four there. Um, just a big target. Uh, again, I think the potential's there, but I think he's the kind of the one to watch, not just for the UNC game, but just kind of moving forward because I think he can still be more productive. Miami's got to be better in the red zone. Uh, they're not scoring touchdowns at a high rate. Um, I thought it was an issue coming into the ACC play, and then they go one of four, getting a touchdown, one of four opportunities against the Yellow Jackets. And I think ultimately that's why Miami was in the position they were in in that game, but Colby's a big target. He has scored touchdowns when he's been in there ever since they kind of put him in this rotation. So he's a guy. And then Jacoby George is a guy that, you know, I think we're, it's a little hit or miss, you know, he's got talent. Uh, we we've seen it in spots over his career. Um, it looked like he was turning the corner this year. So we'll see, but, but they really want to, they've been riding these three guys. They play a lot of snaps, the catches, you can see those stats there. Um, they're clearly ahead of everyone else. And Shannon Dawson, the OC has kind of said that he feels like, maybe want to get some other guys more involved. We've been surprised. You typically have not seen this so heavy with only three guys really catching the majority of the passes. Uh, So we'll see. Tyler Harrell was a transfer from Alabama with a lot of speed. Maybe he gets in there a little bit. Isaiah Horton's a guy they like. Rashard Smith, you know, caught over 30 passes a year ago from the slot. So maybe they're going to work in some other guys. Uh, But really, it's been those three guys. And the big thing with the receiving, you know, kind of Tyler Van Dyke's targets, and I think maybe this has kind of hurt them in the red zone, is just their lack of production at the tight end spot. Miami has always had good tight ends. I know UNC's certainly, and Drake May has certainly benefited from some good tight end play there. I think Miami would benefit more. Elijah Arroyo hasn't played yet this year. Um, he's a guy that, that I think has a potential. And what they have now, I just don't think they have that target that they can go to. And I think it can affect the passing game, I think, defensively you can kind of match up and really know who you're going against and you don't have to worry essentially about that tight end spot the way you have in the past with UM. Yeah, certainly a difference there between North Carolina and Miami. You mentioned Miami's got the three solid guys that they use a lot. North Carolina, Drake May completed 20-plus passes in the first half alone against Syracuse to 10 different guys. So certainly they don't spread it around as much. But to Chris's point, they've got some talent there um, if they can if they can get them the ball. Uh, running game, Chris, a lot of people want to po- point to the fumble last weekend, but Chaney and Parrish have been solid. Um, you can't put the ball on the ground in a situation like that. Um, you know, a little bit weather-related, and, of course, he shouldn't have been in that situation anyway. But just sort of speak to Miami's running game, because this is where 
North Carolina on defense has chosen at times this year that we're going to take away your running game and we're going to force you to do to throw the ball specifically. They were able to do that against some solid teams. Miami's offensive line is a different animal. Sort of tell our folks about that attack and with Cheney and Parrish back there. Yeah, I think Miami's running game really is strong because of the offensive line. I think the running backs, I know – Especially down in South Florida, a lot of people are excited about these guys. Uh, you know, Parrish and Cheney are two guys that we saw at the high school level. We, we've seen them a long time down here now, um, following their careers, even though Henry went to Ole Miss for, for a couple years. But, you know, I, I think they're limited in a sense. You know, I, I think you're, they're, they're not these, these, you know, Parrish, for example, is not a huge back. He's not overly fast. I think with what you saw against Georgia Tech, I think he can, you know, Dawson did say he felt like some runs. They could have had some more runs there. Um, last week, longest run was 12 yards uh, by those guys. Cheney does get the hundred, um, you know, career high for him. But I, I, I think my, but my, you know, even saying that Miami wants to run the ball, they're going to use those two guys, maybe sprinkle in AJ Allen. You know, we haven't seen Mark Fletcher lately. Uh, Chris Johnson's a true freshman that they like, but I don't think he'll play much at all. And I think it'll just be mainly those two guys. But I think if teams really want to sell out on the run, I think they could do that. I, I, but Miami does want to run the ball. It's just, Miami's got to get some some better plays in the red zone, run the ball, and then also, like I said, those those chunk plays. You want to get those fifteen to twenty yard runs and, and really um, create havoc running the ball. And, and I think that'll be something to watch for, kind of moving forward. And we saw this last year. Now Miami did has been running the ball, but we, what we saw last year, it started off well for for UM. It looked like they wanted to run the ball, as you mentioned, with Gaddis as OC coming over from Michigan, and then ACC play happened, and, and they just didn't have a run game. And I think. Now we'll see. Again, Miami's only one conference game in, and uh, the 160 was was solid. But it, but what you know, they had a lot of carries, um, things like that. You touched on the fumble; obviously, it was a huge play there, uh, without question. So Miami wants to run the ball, but we'll we'll see. I, I I don't think it's one of these things where like Miami in years past, where it's like NFL guy, NFL guy in the backfield, like we've seen. I, I think these guys are a little bit limited talent wise, um, which could affect them, even though they do want to run the ball. One thing looking at, at the run game and looking at stats, Tyler Van Dyke, he's got a 37-yard run or scramble, and he's only rushed for 39 yards on the season. That, North Carolina fans uh, see that, and they think, finally, a quarterback that's not going to run the ball against North Carolina. Quarterback really doesn't, really doesn't play into Miami's run game at all, does it, Chris? No, not at all. And he'll scramble a little bit. But look, in the ACC, everybody runs. I'm sure it's to your point. Every quarterback's got um, – it feels like it. I remember when we did our ACC breakdown at the beginning of the year, it just felt like not very many pocket guys like Tyler. He'll scramble a little bit. He did scramble for a touchdown um, in there. But, yeah, that long run was, was certainly a surprise. And I, I wouldn't expect anything like that. And I think that'll be kind of the key for the game. If Tyler gets out on outside the pocket – um, you know, if he, even if he's rolling right, you know, does he make those throws that he needs to make like like you have to do um, if he's being flushed out? Greg, again, touched on it earlier about how well he's been kept clean. So that, that I'm sure that'll be a key for UNC's defense. And then we'll see how Tyler kind of responds if he's thrown on the run, if they're mixing coverages like Georgia Tech did. That'll be something. And I remember Shannon Dawson at the beginning of the season going against the Red Hawks in the opener just – saying that, you know, based on, you know, they kept everything in front of them and Miami wasn't allowed to, you know, essentially go deep. And that that will be interesting if, if other teams continue to try to do that. Like I thought Georgia Tech did a good job of kind of mixing things up, even though they had struggled so much defensively coming into the game. 
Chris, I want to kind of take a step back and look at offense from a big picture. I, I find it fascinating how the philosophies have really changed over the last 25, 26 years, really since Hal Mummy and Mike Leach kind of got together before they arrived at Kentucky. You know, Carolina, for example, you, you had the, the Fed spread, which is the big thing Larry Fedora got from Rich Rodriguez and added his own little things of short passes, long, long plays. Uh, Seth Luttrell comes in, you add some elements of the, the air raid. Phil Longo comes in. He's very much kind of in the Lincoln Riley mode of air raid passing game, a little bit more power run. Now, of course, Carolina has Chip Lindsey, who worked for a good while with uh, Gus Malzahn, uh, although he's got Tony Franklin in his background. When you, when you talk about Miami, of course, you got Rhett Lashley several years ago who worked a good bit with Gus Malzahn. So you have those ties. Then you go to Gaddis, which is, you know, Harbaugh kind of does his own thing with the with the power run game up in Michigan, and then you got you have Dawson now who has spent a lot of time with Dana Holgerson. Um, in terms of what's a better fit, maybe for Van Dyke, or just the offense and the personnel as a whole, uh, what is Dawson doing? I mean, is he very much like Holgerson in terms of you know a lot of focus on? Uh, the air raid with some complimentary run game. I know Miami's run more than they've thrown this year. And then in addition to that, how much is Mario's you know, history as an offensive line coach and his desire to want to be able to run the ball behind an offensive line? How does all that kind of work together? It's certainly interesting. I, I remember last year talking about with Gaddis. I thought Gaddis was a great fit with what Mario wanted to do with running sure. the ball and all those things. And it just didn't work out. And, and now you're kind of going a different way. Uh, I think sometimes too with this again, and going back to what Tommy just said about the the not you know with Van Dyke and the, not being able to run the ball a lot. Like sometimes you see some of these quarterbacks in certain of those concepts that you were talking about, um, how they want to do things, and you know, t- kind of going back to the West Virginia days with Dawson, uh, the way they'd run it sometimes. Uh, I'll say they had Gino, but w- who was a different more you know uh, would just kind of throw it at that time, but. Yeah, I, I think it's just interesting. Uh, they flip philosophies. It works for Tyler, and it's interesting to see what Miami has after Tyler. You know, with Jakari Brown, how does he fit into this um, as a backup? Haven't seen him yet this season. We saw him start a couple times last year, and then Emery Williams is kind of more in that mold of of what Tyler is, and we've seen him the true freshman. So it'll be interesting to see how they do moving forward. But yeah, Tyler does good. You know, again, once he's protected, he's got his options downfield. He does like to throw the ball downfield. In 2021, when he was so successful, he threw the ball downfield a lot. Charleston Rambo um, set school record there, um, catching a lot of passes downfield. So I think Tyler does well with that, kind of pushing the ball downfield. And again, when things are kind of mixed on coverages, we've kind of seen him struggle as we did last game. But Tyler, I, I just think having those options, um, I think one thing that that has been said a lot and you you don't have to read. I mean, it's clear he has a good connection with, with Coach Dawson, and, and he speaks highly of that. I think that's important for Tyler um, to really feel that. Uh, I think Josh, you know, every coach has its own coaching style. I think he was a little bit tougher. Um, it was also an interesting dynamic how he coached wide receivers. Most offensive coordinators do coach the quarterbacks. So I think that kind of connection made a big factor as well. And, um, yeah, and I think going into this season, I said Tyler had a lot of pressure on it because there was – clearly that he talks so much about how he liked this coordinator. He had to perform, you know, regardless of the coordinator, we see coordinators switch it up all the time in college football. You've got to go out and perform yourself. And with what Tyler did last year, uh, 
essentially can't always just blame a coach for your performance. Um, and he hasn't, and he did, and he delivered, and he has delivered up until this point, but he's got to continue it. You know, you can't have games like he did last game or else this season's really going to go south in a hurry. We're talking with Chris Stock inside the U about Miami, North Carolina on Saturday night, 730 in Keenan Stadium. Uh, want to take a second to talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of this podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. You can get 10% off your order if you're a premium member. Of course, you can get this next level free on Inside Carolina, but you join the premium, you get all the recruiting news and all the film breakdowns and everything from Jason Staples. Visit them at JohnnyT-Shirt.com or go see them on East Franklin Street when you're in town. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another great sponsor. We always shop local, folks. Congruity. Congruity handles all your HR needs and North Carolina-based national coverage, local presence, and personal support for all your small and mid-sized business issues. Let them handle your your HR and your people um, so you can concentrate on growing the business. And another thing I mentioned, and I'll say it again, the customer service is simply off the charts. The technology is off the charts. Everything they do takes care of you, the small business owner, Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels, get a free assessment, see what you need, see what they can do for you. And inside Carolina's get it free. You go through the Tar Heels link, they take care of you there. So more local businesses supporting us and we support them. And you should as well. Chris, uh, again, Chris Stock with Inside the U. Miami's defense, everybody's talked about, um, you know, Miami's offense and this, Miami's defense where are they this year compared to what you sort of expected? I know at times uh, they look really good. They're like everybody else. They look really good, and other times they look like they haven't played. The, the end of the Georgia Tech game, they look they were all out of sorts. Um, what do you expect, or what can North Carolina fans expect from that defense on Saturday night? You know, Miami's done a great job uh, stopping the run, uh, second in the country right now, and obviously they want to keep that going. You know, and they've been able to do that. They had some key guys out on the defensive line the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Akeem Mesador is arguably their best defensive player, hasn't played um, since the AM game. So, uh, so we'll see. You know, if they get him back, I think that would that'd be a big boost for Miami's defense. 
So so Miami's going to do well running the ball, and maybe some of the differences is the, kind of the biggest one. I, I think Lane Skidry's been great. Defense, new defensive coordinator, really has his, his pulse on what's going on uh, with the defense, and, and they're delivering. I thought the addition at linebacker, Miami struggled at linebacker play last few years, and they bring in Francisco Maui Noah there from Washington State. Middle linebackers really solidified that spot. K.J. Cloyd has also added something there at linebacker from Louisville, and they needed that upgrade. And so they're doing a good job in that front seven, uh, front, you know, six actually, because they kind of play that back five um, the way it works. But they're, they're doing a good job stopping the run. Now, pass defense is where it gets interesting. Miami's pass defense from last year was not good. Um, we saw them give up a lot of yards. It starts off well. You bring back the All-American and Cam Kitchens. And it's been good, uh, mostly good. And, and what you saw against Georgia Tech, that's Cam Kitchens' play on the, on the game winner. Bid on that play, gives up a 45-yard score. Uh, so that was not good from from him. And you're expecting him to be um, on point and, and deliver right there. And then he didn't. And they give up the 30-yard play before that. Um, so I think it's still – even though they've been good, I, I think we're, we'll we'll see. You know, now that you're an ACC player again, the numbers I think have looked good. Miami's done well thus far, um, and, and they were good against Georgia Tech. 77 passing yards for Haynes King up until that final drive where they give up 74 and two two plays. And you know, it, it's kind of hard to separate the two. But yeah, they were really good. But as a whole, the way it ended, giving up those two plays um, and losing the game that way by the defense, but. I think that'll be interesting. Now that we're in the ACC play, the, these quarterbacks will throw it. Obviously, we know about Drake, but they're going to throw it. Miami's going to be tested. I think the big thing to watch for with Miami, so last week, three corners. They're all around 5'10". Uh, they played all the snaps, and their two safeties play. Almost, they played all but one snap. So Miami's going to play those five guys. I even asked Coach Guidry about, you know, essentially – maybe getting another corner in, anything like that. They have some size guys um, that they just don't use, and it just doesn't sound like they're going to be using this one. So I think that'll be something to watch for. Um, but certainly Miami could put a couple guys in, but it looks like they're going to go with those three that they've been kind of rolling with. And I I think there's still um, a little bit of question marks, even though they have played well at times this year or, or most of the time this year. So Miami's, let's see, they're tied for 12th nationally in um, allowing, they've allowed 15 plays of 20-plus yards, uh, which is really impressive. I mean, three games, stout. Um, what are they doing maybe you know, on the back end, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, that group, uh, to limit that? I mean, are they just playing a kind of a bend but don't break? Is that is that the idea? Uh, they, they, and again, that's been such a huge impact. I just looked 101st last year in that category a year ago. Um, and it felt like those numbers would drop on 30, 40, 50 on down. They were just really bad at giving up big pass plays. I think that again, uh, they're going with these guys that, that have been reading the ball well. You know, they bring in Jaden Davis from Oklahoma. I thought it was a, it was a huge addition. Um, even with how things went at OU there at the end for him, but he's been a huge addition. I think he's really helped. You know, Daryl Porter, we've seen him play better than he had a year ago. And and these are veteran guys, you know, year four for Porter, year two at Miami. You know, to Corey Couch has been there a while. Um, he still has kind of has his ups and downs, and obviously the down against Georgia Tech on that play before the game winner. But they, they've just done a good job of reading the ball well. And I think Gidry's, you know, he's not afraid to blitz some of these guys in the secondary or, or show different looks. And I think what they're doing up front, getting some good pressure at times. And I think that's really helping the, the, the back end. And then Cam Kitchens, you know, having him back now that off the injury, having him back makes a big difference. And then James Williams, you know, he's a guy that with a lot of potential year three for him. So they just have some veteran guys back there 
uh, they're, they're doing a good job kind of all around, and, and he's done good. He had that nice pick against George Tech, which really helped Miami, you know, kind of get back into it there with that big interception and 40-some yard return to put him in good territory. So they've got guys that they can kind of lean on, and, and Gidry's mixing it up with either blitz packages or pressures. And he did say at the end he felt like he should have brought pressure on that final play, and that's tough. It's tough with all this stuff what happened with Miami because sometimes you – oftentimes – you can make a bad coaching decision or a bad choice, and, and it doesn't always show up um, so glaring. And it couldn't be more glaring with the fumble, because um, even even if you run the play, you know you get away with it most times, probably, or most times you don't give up 75 yards in two plays in 20 seconds. So uh, a lot went wrong, and, and um, but but yeah, they didn't get away with their mistakes, their coaching mistakes in that one. That's for sure. Chris, we appreciate you joining us. I do want to ask one more question. A ton of the guys you've mentioned or transfers, and Miami certainly took advantage of the portal. Mario Cristobal certainly gets high marks for his recruiting as well. Um, where would this team, and we could say the same thing about North Carolina, of course, with Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, and Elijah Huzzy, but where would Miami be without the transfer portal, and um, how long, in your mind, does it take for Mario's recruiting to really start picking up and getting Miami back to the consistent level uh, that they experienced years ago? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of in spots. And when I talk about the offensive line, they got the two key guys there, um, but their top three wide receivers are all all guys recruits. One was a JUCO transfer, but um, essentially a recruit. Um, you know, Cheney has been there at running back. Tyler Van Dyke. You know, so it's been kind of. And then on defense, it's mostly been um, kind of recruits. But yeah, they mix in. Like I said, Ambassador was a it was a key player that they got in the transfer portal a year ago. It's just been kind of a mix. And I I think the. Uh, Mario's recruiting class, you know, we're seeing it right now with Ruben Bain uh, on, on defensive line and, and North Carolina fans to get a chance to see him. 44, Miami fans have been excited about him because of what he did locally at Miami Central, all the state titles. It just gets a lot of sacks and he stepped right in. Now he's been starting uh, as a true freshman. And on the flip side, Miami's been starting a true freshman, uh, five-star, former five-star recruit in Francis Maui Noah at right tackle. So they've they've had some guys make impacts as young guys, and I think it'll kind of continue because you do see positive signs with some of these guys um, as recruits. And I think it'll just kind of kind of just kind of continue to progress. You know, you've got some guys that are ready. I think they'll continue to, to get a transfer. And I think Miami's you know before Mario, you know, with, with Manny Diaz, I thought Miami was a good spot for transfers. They they were doing a good job of that. Um, and really they, they got really high-impact transfers under Manny Diaz with, with Derek King coming over. That was a huge one. Jalen Phillips comes over and becomes a first-rounder. So they had some really big-impact transfers uh, during then. And I just think Miami is going to be one of those destinations for, for guys, especially those guys – I mean, but especially those guys if they're at lower conference and want to step up and, and maybe play, um, you know, in a, in a conference like, like Miami's in and, and obviously the weather, all those kinds of things that a lot of people tend to like about UM. So – We'll see. I think it's just going to be a mix, Tommy. I think the, the recruiting is a big deal. Um, high school recruiting is a big deal for Mario, and certainly they're still recruiting at a high level. They want to continue to add guys. I just think it's going to be kind of in spots when they feel like they need areas to fill. I think they'll do that with the transfers. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic across the country um, with teams filling in, except Clemson. Dabo hadn't gotten on the transfer train. We can see that he probably needs to at some point. Chris Stuck, it's always a pleasure inside the U. Tell tell our listeners um, where they can find you uh, and what what they can check out. I see you've got some Carolina information on your site this week as well. Sort of tout your work because, my friend, this is a good job you do down there. 
Yeah, obviously the website insidetheu.com. We also have the YouTube channel. Um, plenty of stuff over there with either interviews or, or thoughts from from us and things like that on Inside the U. You can find it there. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm not as active there. I, I wish I kind of was a little bit more. But yeah, we're we're busy on the message boards and just trying to provide as much content as possible uh, to all the fans. You know, rain or shine. You do this long enough, especially covering Miami over all over these years. Uh, th- you know, it, it's not always been great. Unfortunately, we've seen tough losses. And we still provide content and, and hopefully uh, things get better for Miami in the near future. And again, I said it before, I, I don't know what we're going to see from Miami on, on Saturday, but certainly that four game losing streak um, to the Tar Heels. Uh, Tar Heels have had the halftime advantage in all of those games, averaging 26 a game. So that's going to be a key for Miami kind of coming out and staying in the game early. And obviously with what happened last week, I, I think that is going to be such a key. If Miami gets down 10-0, 14-0, uh, do, do they fight back? You know, if they just get off to a bad start for whatever reason. So, but thanks for for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Keep it up the good work too. Yeah, man. Thanks, we, Chris. We will we will talk soon. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, that is Chris Stock inside the U. Check out all that work. Go watch those press conferences from the Miami players, especially Matt Lee. Uh, that's that's an all timer uh, earlier this week. <laughs> Folks need to check out. Appreciate it, Chris. Greg, you know, first of all. Chris is awesome. I mean, I've always kind of liked Miami for whatever reason, and it just worked out that he's on the 24-7 side. He, he joins us a lot and, and talk about this, but um, I'm not going to let you get out of here before I pin you down. Um, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, Greg will not be on the game plan Thursday night with Jason Staples and I due to uh, scheduling issues, and that's fine, uh, but we do a, a segment called Predictions on uh, the game plan, and Greg, I'm gonna I'm gonna get yours right here on next level. Whew, a lot of pressure when it's just me in here with you, Tommy. <laughs> you you can't piggyback. So this this is fascinating uh, to me, just this matchup. I, mean, I really believe this is a toss up game, and I'll be honest with you. After watching what Carolina did to Syracuse, which was just a complete dismantling, uh, I was kind of thinking, yeah, you know, Miami's going to be able to come in here off a of, solid win against a bad Georgia Tech team uh, and and smack Carolina around because Carolina's coming off that high. Well, after watching the Georgia Tech game, and like like we talked about earlier, uh, I understand you know, Carolina knows exactly what Georgia Tech can do to you. Um, but that kind of lowered my my belief in Miami, if you will. And you know, Jason will be the first to tell you that, that Mario is not the best coach. Uh, he's very much a recruiter. He's very much a, a Mr. February. Um, but I think coming out of the weekend, uh, I, I've got to go. I've got to go with North Carolina. Um, you know, when you start looking at their schedules, uh, you know, what Carolina thought was going to be a tough start, you know, what Mac Brown kind of complained about, hasn't really panned out. And the team, I mean, if you look, watch any of that Minnesota Michigan game. On Saturday, I mean, Minnesota didn't belong on the field with Michigan. Now, I know Michigan's one of the one of the top five teams in the country. Uh, South Carolina, other than a good first half against Georgia, really hasn't done anything. App State's not any good. So I don't know how much you can take out of that. And uh, Texas has the best – I mean, Texas. Miami has the best win of the group uh, against Texas A&M. Um, so I don't know that we know how good these teams are. Um, but just – basing it off last Saturday and how impressive Carolina looked and the fact that the defense has finally arrived and it finally looks competent. Uh, I've got to go with Carolina in this one. I know the spread's three and a half. 
I think it's going to be a competitive game. But I've got North Carolina winning this one, 31-27. 31-27, North Carolina, Greg Barnes on record without the benefit of a piggyback or Jason State. I'm not going to tell Jason either because this will drop before we do that show, but I'm not going to tell Jason what you predicted. So we'll see if y'all truly are in sync on these predictions. Greg Barnes, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, shout out to Chris Stock with InsideTheU.com. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity, sponsors of this show. And shout out to everybody watching. It's always a pleasure. Um, we love the live shows, but we also love getting together, recording on our own schedule, and then dropping them for you. If you have any uh, next-level requests, hit up Greg or I, either on Twitter, email, or on the message boards. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Basketball season starts soon. I'm sure there will be some basketball stories to discuss. But that's Greg. I'm Tommy. This has been Next Level on Inside Carolina. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.